people ask me, how was it when I got out? You know, because when you leave an institution, it's like leaving, it's like leaving the joint. When you leave the military, I would assume it's like leaving the joint. It really is. And I don't say that tongue in cheek because first everybody tells you you're crazy. Everybody tells you you're stupid. And then you leave and you're gone for a couple months. And then they call you and you go, hey, what's it like? You know, what's it like out there? You know, I finally got my response, and my response was this. It sounds pretty, you know, it sounds pretty hokey, uh, but the truth is, is uh, I know, I now know what it means to be an American. You know, it, it's a good deal being a civilian in this country. Uh, I never knew what that was. And, and, I, and I, don't, I don't say that lightly. I placed myself in, in units with jobs that for my entire life, I was chained to that unit and that job. Everything that I did was scrutinized, not just by the private sector, but by the unit and that job. I was not free to come and go as I please. I was not free to make as much money as I wanted to for as much work as I chose. I was not free to speak freely. I was not free to do any of that. I sacrificed all that in order to do my job, just like everyone else that wears a uniform does. And so when they say, do you want to know what it's, you know, what's it like out there? It's like, it's pretty damn amazing to be an American in, in this country. be able to know what freedom truly is and that is to do exactly whatever it is I want and that's what I do now I want to start a business my brother and I want to start a business we start a business and here's the deal is that um, you know I never knew that and, and there's plenty of guys that uh, will never know that because you know they got killed defending my right to do this right now mine and my brother's right and they, they never even got to taste this sweetness that I taste on a daily basis Whenever I wake up and go, if I don't have a client, don't want to stay in my pajamas. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a joke now. I sit out on the back porch, I drink my coffee, and I Skype with Tom, and that's how we have our meetings. He's, you know, just a few towns away, and I don't feel like driving today, so I Skype, we drink coffee, and we have a meet. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's freedom. I, I was one of the fortunate ones that, that got to see both sides of the coin. important uh, conversation to have today, uh, something that's important, especially for guys like yourself, uh, along with Dan Brown, um, former Special Amphibious Reconnaissance Corpsman, uh, and along with Kevin Treader, and Kevin is a 20-year veteran of the Army Special Operations. Uh, guys, how's it going? Going good. Good. So this topic that we were going to dive into um, you know, is about brain damage, traumatic brain injury. It's something that's been talked about on the uh, sports side, you know, with the NFL and, and the concussions and, and all that. And then 
obviously it's something that's near and dear to both of you guys because of uh, situations and, and your experiences in combat and, and that sort of thing. So before we get into that, uh, Kevin, you were on the podcast early in, in the uh, early days of the podcast. Um, can we just kind of do a refresher on your background and, and some of your experience before we get into it? Yeah, of course. Um, so, uh, you know, I uh, enlisted in the United States Army back in 94, um, became a, a combat engineer at 12 Bravo. So early on in my military career, I was working around explosives and demolitions. Um, a few years later, I went through uh, Special Forces Assessment and Selection, SFAS. I think that was in 97 and was uh, picked up as an 18 Charlie, which is a Special Forces engineer. So again, working with demolitions. Um, and then ended up in third special forces group, early days of third special forces group. You know, we were in there, I was there in the late nineties. Uh, we covered down on the African crisis response initiative in Western Africa. So I had some good trips to, um, you know, Ghana, Benin, Senegal, um, Niger, Nigeria, um, some really great experiences, kind of the whole hearts and minds in unconventional warfare, uh, side of the house. Um, as, you know, the world progressed, uh, 99, 2000, we found ourselves in Bosnia. Um, you know, I was in Zvornik on the Drina river, uh, right when we were bombing Yugoslavia and, um, you know, just kind of, that was my first taste of, of what was coming, I guess you could say, um, we weren't in a, um, partnered position. We were just kind of out there hanging, doing joint, uh, uh, joint commission observations and we're kind of sitting ducks. Um, throughout, you know, our, our stay there ended up getting, uh, banged up a few times on that trip, but nothing too serious and, and came home, uh, from there. And, uh, I think a year or so after that, um, and at that point, you know, I was a, a senior engineer sergeant on my detachment, um, and, and one of the first, uh, combat infills for second battalion, third special forces group. Um, so we were over there for a minute, came back uh, for a little bit. And I think somewhere in there, I, I went on a, a longer walk than the one I did before that and failed to meet the time standard. And then, uh, kind of went back to work on the teams. Um, I ended up, uh, dropping the application and getting picked up as a, uh, heavy breacher with, you know, an organization and use it, you excuse me. Um, and, and did some pretty good work there. Um, during that period of time, Iraq was going on, the surge was in full, full swing and, um, we were just running and gunning for a full, you know, for a few years, uh, where we really set ourselves apart as breachers. We went into, um, structural collapse, um, you know, as the war both progressed and died down at the same time, um, you know, ordinances were kind of cut off or limited, uh, in cities. Meaning, you know, the bombs we could drop on on targets that were facilitating foreign fighters. So what we started doing was uh, the breachers would go in and um, knock the targets down afterwards and deny um, those sanctuaries to the foreign fighters and whoever else. Um, so, again, it, you know, just running gun and banging targets left and right. Can't left uh, that place and went, went to uh, B-23. Um, you know, through Sephardic and all that other good shit, a lot of training opportunities came about. Um, first trip downrange, I had a helicopter fall on my head. Um, that really didn't do me much good. Um, and um, kind of 
want to say walked away from it, but at the same time, just kind of uh, looking back, I, I really just ignored some of the, the troubles that I was starting to have and, and focused more on the physical recovery um, from my injuries. I had a fractured the base of my skull and a pretty nasty uh, cervical compression in my spine. Um, but I was able to come back and ended up, um, you know, getting back to the teams, running and gunning for a little bit longer, uh, got promoted out of a good job into a, you know, a team starting position, uh, took my team over to, um, Afghanistan on my way out. And then, um, you know, my last rodeo was, uh, with ROTC as a senior military science instructor for UC Davis. So long story short, but I mean, in the middle of that, you know, again, being around explosive charges has been, you know, just kind of a way of life for me. And, um, it's one of those things to where I really didn't understand the compounding, um, you know, uh, struggles of, of what that was doing to me. Um, because again, I think when the army talks about TBI, it's from a singular event, you know, whether it's a vehicle rollover or an IED or a helicopter crash in my case. Um, but you know, what we're finding out now is that it's the prolonged exposure to these, these knocks on the head. Um, and the, 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 the PSI that we're eating, even in the training charges, uh, we later found out were um, way, way too much. Um, and I'm talking, you know, guys in my line of work, we were exposed to, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of charges that we ate. And so, um, you know, retired from the army a year ago, um, and, you know, kind of kept my shit together while I was in uniform, but at the same time was very aware of, of what was slipping around me, you know, to where, you know, talking, you know, speaking in a conversation, it's no big deal because I'm present and I'm, you know, I'm, I can kind of maintain my composure, but the second I step away from it, it I can't tell the difference whether it was five minutes ago or five years ago. Um, and I never got, um, I was never able to clearly articulate that with the neurologist while I was in active duty. Um, and, and then finally, once I was, um, you know, retired, I had my, I wasn't dependent on the VA for my health insurance. So I finally started seeing different docs that weren't really obligated to a certain, um, jargon, if you will, you know, um, a narrative almost. And was able to get, you know, a little bit more attention, a couple MRIs that I wasn't able to get while I was on active duty, a couple different labs and so on and so forth. And, uh, and what the doc diagnosed me with and where I'm kind of still on the fence where I think it was a little bit irresponsible was the CTE. And again, I say it's a little irresponsible only because it's one of those things that I think we're all aware of as this is kind of bubbling up that they're really only able to, to diagnose CTE postmortem. And what's a CTE for the audience who might not know what that is? It's a big word. So it's, uh, can't even pronounce it. Hang on. Let me wrote it down. Yeah, to be honest, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure how to pronounce the last yeah. part of it. Uh, <laughs> chronic traumatic. Oh, go ahead. And, and I don't even know, man. Uh, so you, you can go ahead with that one, Dan. Uh, encephalopathy. There we go. There you go. I can't even spell it, so I try not to say it. <laughs> so, you know, so the doc hit, hit me with that. And, um, and for me, what was good about it is, is it came at a point in my life to where, again, I was kind of away from the traditional, um, you know, pressures of the military, you know, in the sense to where, 
while in uniform, we all kind of pretended that mental health was taboo, but yet at the same time, as we're finding out now, all of us were on a handful of pills, you know, whether it was to go fast or slow down or, um, you know, antidepressants or sleeping disorders, you name it. Uh, what I found at the end of my, my service is I was on seven different pills. And um, when I had the break in continuity, not necessarily in, in uh, medical care, but in different treatment facilities, there was no way that the new docs were going to prescribe me the meds that the army had me on for the last eight years. Um, you know, and it was, I was one of those guys where I've always kind of, uh, prided myself on not being, um, you know, having dependency issues. You know, I, if, if I drank a little bit too much, it was definitely because of, of the occasion rather than me trying to find the bottom of the, uh, the bottle for whatever other reasons, you know, um, but I was in control, or at least I thought, of everything that was going into my body. And what I found after retirement and having this gap of, of uh, prescription medication was that I was in excruciating pain. Um, my internal dialogue became extremely unhealthy. Uh, everything from you know suicidal thoughts to homicidal type of thoughts. Uh, just out of control and, and frightening. And, um, you know, I'm a father of six and, uh, I have a happy wife. I have a happy life. Nothing that was going on inside my nugget made any sense to me. Um, and again, it wasn't until I found this one doc that, that kind of squared me away and, and, and looked at it a little bit differently and, and, and urged me, um, to give, uh, medical marijuana a go and, and through, through cannabis, I was able to kind of regain my composure, um, find my focus, find center. Uh, I was able to become extremely honest with myself and focus on healing rather than masking the symptoms that I was experiencing. And then at the end, if you will, I can't even say there's an end, but at the end of this period of time, was able to step away from cannabis easier, easier than I could a cup of coffee. And that's when we kind of really got to work and, and started to kind of isolate the different symptoms that I was experiencing, you know, and, and, and there's bigger words that to describe some of the shit that's going on in my life, you know, but it's one of those things for where I keep it at a very simple level. Um, you know, during this time period is also where I, I taught myself how to knit. I was, I was in between surgeries and on my ass and needed something to focus or to, to shift my focus and attention away from, you know, kind of the doom and gloom side of the house. And I found, you know, through uh, my own creative processes that I could, I was actually starting to, to improve, you know, conversations became easier. Um, it wasn't having as many sticking points or forgetting um, as many things during the day. Uh, my recollection was incredible in comparison to where it was before, you know, um, and again, it was kind of, you know, it was up in the air, whether it was the head injury, the medications or, or God only knows what, but at the same time, you know, I was able to, to find my center. Um, and that's where I felt to where, again, just through my own irrefutable truth of the life that I live, opportunity to reach out to other like, um, individuals and offer them the opportunity to kind of to share in the experience that I'm, I'm, I'm having right now. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm knitting hats, which is, is kind of, even for me, you know, it's kind of weird. Um, I know if any of my buddies got out and started knitting hats, I'd be extremely worried about them, but no one's called me yet, you know, but, um, but it's one of those things to where again, man, it's like, you know, I can, I found my own little slice of, of peace. I found my own uh, bit of reality and I can be extremely honest with the people around me, especially my wife and, and children to where when we do have uh, challenges or difficulties from whatever's going on, you know, if, you know, and I'll, you know, I can, I don't even remember, but I, you know, I can lose the keys or misplace my wallet or uh, something as simple as, is not knowing where something is will, will kind of cause this, this domino effect of me circling the drain within minutes. Um, and by being honest with my, my family, rather than masking what was going on in my life, we've been able to start working together and, and find a better and happier medium for, for, for where I need to be, you know, in order to best support them and for them to best support me. Um, and, 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 you know, like anything, it's a team effort. I'm only going to be as good as the people around me. And I'm, I'm fortunate to have a loving wife and a, and a great family. And, and, um, and the challenges aren't that bad right now, you know? Um, but I think the frightening thing for a lot of us and where I get a little bit emotional and sometimes pissed off is, you know, there's a lot of, uh, nonprofits out there talking about veteran suicides and raising awareness. But for me, well, what the fuck does awareness mean? Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm not trying to poke anyone in the eye, but, but again, if, if 20 of 20 guys like me are committing suicide every day, I would like to know who they are. I would like to speak to their families. I would like to know if they were on the same medications that I was on. I would like to know, if they have the same struggles that I'm experiencing, because again, we're only going to be able to get through this bullshit together. I think, especially in the special operations realm, um, and the combat arms world, we're going to start seeing some, some, some horrible, horrible effects of what they tried to, you know, kind of sweep under the carpet as traumatic brain injury. That's the cause, you know, to what is going to be going on in a lot of our lives from here on out. So, Sorry, I tend to rant. <laughs> no, it's it's much appreciated, and you know, it's it's it is. You're telling your story, but it's like a breath a breath of fresh air, in in regards to how honest it is, and appreciate that you're being so honest. And I know that uh, having a platform like this, a podcast, there's people listening who are going through some of those struggles that you went through, and. Uh, you never really know who you're able to affect positively. Um, and, and I know that guys are going to hear this and, and feel a little bit better. Essentially, what, what you feel like led you to the, uh, the, the area where you were injured, your, your brain injury was just year, a culmination of, of years of being around, uh, concussions and blast and, and obviously that helicopter crash, uh, probably added to it uh would that be a, a correct assessment yeah absolutely I, I think again it's more the um you know because I, I i am I, i'm 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 rather punchy if you will you know i feel like i'm i'm rocky four versus rocky one <laughs> you know but and it's one of those things where it's just you know the knock on my head didn't do do me any favors you know um and i i try to piece together the puzzle while looking back, but it's as if my life is in fast forward. You know, I can't, I can't sequence, you know, I can't, um, 
you know, for instance, just put it in perspective, I have six children and without them in the room, I, I, I can't tell you anything about any of their births or any of their, the intimate details of their childhood or anything like that. Once my, once my kids are around me, then, then it comes back and then I'm rolling and then we're there, but I, I need to be prompted towards, um, the different memories in my life, you know, to put it back together to where I'm at, where I'm at. It's as if like, you know, again, I was kind of walking around with a box of photos and, you know, the helicopter crash tripped me up and I threw them up in the air and now I'm putting back together these photos, but I'm doing so without any content or any type of idea of the chronological order within them. And, you know, unless I'm going through them extremely systematically, you know, and, and, when I'm around my family, when I'm around friends, I can begin to recall, I can re- begin to pull things in. And, and again, this is where like through knitting something, and I don't know, you know, much about ne- the neuroplasticity and the healing mind and all this crazy shit. All I know is that since I've started knitting, I'm, I'm, I'm back, not completely, but I'm, I'm a lot better than what I was. You know, I got to the point where, man, I couldn't even leave my house. Um, I'd park my car at the grocery store and, and I'd walk out of the grocery store and I'd be looking for a red Silverado. Well, I haven't driven a red truck since like 2000, you know? So there were all these different familiarities in my life, but there was no order or no idea of which one was today. Um, you know, I've had issues where, you know, driving the kids to school and next thing you know, I'm in Sacramento rather than at their school and just kind of lost in thought, lost in, you know, in conversation, whatever it is. But having the day-to-day routines, until the day-to-day routines were set up and established, I was kind of all over the place. And, and again, I'm, I'm present enough to where it's alarming when it occurs. But instead of having concern, that concern turns into frustration, which manifests into anger. And that anger is then shortly after a temper tantrum just kind of thrown out at whoever is closest to me at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, long story short, I, I, I personally believe, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, it's hard to describe. I can, like, I can remember the impact of the helicopter crash. I can remember the impact of the charge going through my body, you know, from different breaches. I can, I can still feel the expansion of my lungs and how that, the, 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 the pressure of the air just forced, you know, out of every orifice almost in my, in my body. Um, and I know that didn't do me any good, you know, but it's one of those things where, you know, football players and I get it and I'm not diminishing anyone's struggles by any, by any means here. But again, what's concerning for me is that we're seeing this in football players. Well, that's just, that's man on man, you know, uh, knocking heads for combat arms, for, for the breachers, for the special operations guys you know, holy shit, the amount of pressure that we were exposed to and just training charges is insane. And then, you know, when, when you did it live, when we went down range and we were knocking on doors with, uh, you know, seven pounds of net explosive, it, you know, it's, it left its mark on a lot of us, you know? But yeah. And, and Dan, that's something that we, we talked about uh, when we last podcasted, uh, Yes, you know, talking about the the TBI side and, and the concussion side, um, and and how there is a difference between the sports concussions and 
the combat arms concussions, you know, training and, and being in small spaces with the over pressurization uh, and right. that, that kind of thing. And, and you had some interesting thoughts on that, uh, on that piece. Yeah. First off, I want to say I, I've been just sitting here listening to Kevin talk and I'm just shaking my head. Yes, yes, yes. Um, everything he's saying is just so on point and a lot of similarities to what I've I've dealt with, what other guys I know that have, have had TBI I've dealt with. So I just can't, you know, you know, for, for what it's worth, sign off on Kevin enough saying I, I fully support what what he was just saying, like all of it. And so back to uh, what you just mentioned is there, there is a difference. Um, and Kevin was touching on that between two guys hitting their helmets together and then, you know, going through concussive protocol where they're, they're taken off. And, you know, these professional athletes they're they have dietitians that are planning their diets, their workout programs, you know, their recovery, everything where, you know, if you just think of an environment standpoint of when we're taking blows to the head, we're, you know, maybe forward deployed where we're, we don't have a good diet. We're eating rice and potatoes or, you know, um, basically we're not ready to even receive the hit that we end up taking. And then we're not, um, in a place to recover from it traditionally as, as they thought. And that's the, the problem. The difference with the blast wave is, um, it's, it's not just, you know, the, the brain being in this fluid sack where, you know, the two heads hitting together repetitively, you have this, you know, coup contra coup of the brain going back and forth, hitting the skull, right? Well, with a blast wave, you actually have a wave going through, um, through the different airways in, in, in your head, right? It's, it's not all, uh, it's not all solid. So it's going through your nasal passageway, it's going into your lungs it's and it's actually having a a damage on your what they're finding is in your blood vessels as well so that's where you get damage in like the pituitary gland you're um and a lot of that i mean they don't they, they don't even know the extent of what this blast wave is doing you know and so it's it's a totally different ball game and that that led us um i would say some of the best news I found was in the, this New York times article that I sent you, um, about, you know, PTSD being miss, uh, sort of misdiagnosed and that in a lot of people, it's, uh, more likely TBI. And what, what we're seeing here is military careers are, you know, especially in the combat, combat arms, like you mentioned, we're, we're rough in training and we're, we're also taking these blast exposures on deployments. So we're taking the traditional hits to the head that you would see in a sports injury. Plus in addition to the blast wave concussions. And so we're seeing CTE like in Kevin's case. And then we're also seeing what this, uh, Dr. Pearl discovered when looking into the world war one, uh, vets brains is this, uh, scar tissue, dust like scarring around the border between the gray matter and the, uh, the white matter. And that's where synapses resides. So the, you're, you're taking all this damage over time and, and we have learned now it's, it's cumulative. Whereas before, um, 
you know, I've talked to a neurologist in the military. They would say, okay, you took, so you took this hit this one time. Okay. Well, you should have gotten better within a couple of weeks. Okay. And this one wasn't until a year later, you know, and trying to do this dance around. And it's, um, it, it, it's like Kevin said also, where it's very specific events. They want to just say, okay, there was this one grenade, you know, that was documented. And then there was this one time, you know, you hit your head this time. And they're not counting all the all the stuff in between. Um, I've gone through and you know, re- you know, remembering all the hard parachute landing falls I've had, and you know, every trying to remember every time I bumped my head, plus all the you know shooting packages where you're doing breaches and um, and all all the exposures on deployment, and it just it adds up. And the problem is in the military treatment is these things aren't getting documented, and they're not they're, they're kind of discrediting, um, uh, on a personal report of this history where somebody says, you know, I've, I've had all these exposures. They're like, well, which ones are, you know, documented. And that's where it comes in having, you know, your, your other guys that are on your team or platoon or whatever, writing witness statements of things that happen, whether it's in training or, you know, on deployment, but, uh, the, so, so this this article in the New York Times was very eye-opening to me in the fact that there is a very physical thing that happens where um, where I've seen a lot of providers and sort of the way we're treating this as, okay, you should have gotten better and now it's just a psychological thing when it's not. There's a very physical thing going on. And whether that's, the military and VA system just having slow time catching up with the times or is it a money deal where if you start recognizing guys having, you know, guys and girls having uh, physical brain damage that comes into a whole different ball game when it comes to compensation, right? Cause now you're talking about a, a life altering uh, physical damage and not something that is just a psychological disorder that somebody could potentially get better from. Right. Right, and, but, and there's, there's kind of so much that that can come out of that, um, you know, of what you said in terms of how the military and the VA approaches uh, dealing with these uh, issues, right? Uh, in terms of you know, like like you said on the previous podcast, and now, and what Kevin was talking about, these things happen. It's a culmination of of your entire career um, in in combat arms and special operations. Um, you know, you a guy threw a frag grenade and landed in in your close proximity, and that really kind of rung your bell, right? But it, it, uh, wasn't, it wasn't just that, right? Um, it was it was actually a, a grenade from the underside of a AK, like their their version of the two hundred three. But okay, okay. Uh, I mean that's you know still it was a grenade. You, right. you you got the basics, but um, but yeah, it 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 is accumulative and. Something, something else I'd like to kind of, and I, I kind of divide this up into, you know, three different things, which is like the way the military medicine treats it, the way the VA treats it, and then what I've found to work. And I think Kevin touched on that is like finally reaching out and finding, you know, a doctor kind of outside that system. And that's when he found results. And I will say th- there is a positive place in the military treatment system. I'm not sure if anybody else has, um, has had experience with this. I'd be interested to hear from somebody who's been, but there's a NICO program 
N-I-C-O-E. Uh, Kevin, have you heard of that or were you I able have. to? So the NICO, National Intrepid yeah. Center of Excellence, right? Yeah, so yep. check this out. You'll dig this. So um, one doc kind of looked into my – so where I was in a pickle is that, like, we had good docs, but we had good docs at bandaging, bandaging us up and pushing us back to the fight, right? Yep. So they yep. took care of us based on our commitment to the guys around us and the mission. They were able to kind of find a way to take care of us, you know, and, and again, looking back, we're our own worst enemies when it comes to it. So um, I ended up, you know, when I went out to ROTC, I'm in, you know, the conventional military land and then finally a doc uh, through the mental health side of the house looks at my charts and is like, holy shit. So immediately put me in for a referral to Nico, and then I had to get surgery. I forget what happened. Um, another doctor looked at it and denied my referral uh, because oh, wow. I only had one head, head injury, uh, not yeah. taking into consideration my whole uh, career. And at this point, I had close to 20 years in, you know, 17 years in, in special forces, heavy breacher, master breacher, you know, 10 combat deployments, uh, yeah. all the bells and whistles, right? And so, again, I have an angry moment, um, and they refer it back to PTSD and more of the emotional side of the house rather than uh, just how life kind of goes down. Um, I'm laughing because the same thing happened to me. Dude, it's a joke. And this is what pisses me off, man, is like, and, and, and again, this is going to sound pretty shitty, but dude, unless you're, unless you're like us, you don't know us. Yep. And so what I got from the doctor is, hey, well, if you were hurt so bad, why did you keep doing it? It's like, holy yeah. shit. You know, again, it's first off, I didn't know I was getting so fucked up. Secondly, yeah. like, you know, again, we're all driven by an overwhelming sense of obligation yep. that the average yep. person will never understand. Right. Yeah. And yep. even now, dude, in life to where I'm a little punchy and, and a little goofy at times, I don't think I would change anything, you know, um, oh. Because I look back and I, you know, I know the guys that were standing next to me then. I know the guys that will be standing next to me tomorrow. And in um, every sacrifice that I'm starting to understand uh, was truly worth it, you know? Yeah. It, the unfortunate side of the house is, you know, kind of like you, what you were saying is we all kind of knew it was cumulative back in the day. But we were all looking at like, you know, 1970 Chuck Norris Delta Force dudes. Like once they started keeling over, then we'd have to start worrying about ourselves. Yep. But we all really didn't get to work until Iraq. And so now we're all kind of experiencing, um, you know, a mission set that was very, you know, very selective before it became all of ours during Iraq, Afghanistan. Um, and it again, it's 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 troubling to see what com- is heading our way, you know. And for me, and again, I, I can't stress it enough, man, to where I don't want to, like, lead someone down the wrong path and just say, hey, you know, quit the meds cold turkey, but dude, like I am, I am so much better away from the prescription medications. I'm so much better with, with, um, a little bit of cannabis in my life. And I'm not talking, I'm walking around like a stoner or anything. I'm, I'm hitting, uh, CBDs, you know, the non-intoxicating, uh, side of, 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 you know, benefits of cannabis. And again, dude, like knitting, (laughs) I can't stress it enough having the hand-eye coordination, the tracking of my left hand, my right hand, um, something's happening within me. And, and again, I'm not the Mr. Wizard. I'm not going to bring the science to the table. Someone else can do that. But it, but it has been 
a life-changing experience, not only for me, but for my family as well. Um, to yeah. where before, again, going back to our docs that, hey, they were doing right by us and I'm not going to take anything away from them. But all we were doing back then was putting a Band-Aid on it. Yeah. And, and once, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. And so uh, back to the NICO deal is, from, from my understanding, it's a great program as long as we get guys there, you know? Right. And I applied to go to NICO. I had multiple, you know, documented, you know, concussions and all that. And I ended up getting denied because the, they basically said, what did they have there that we don't have at the concussion clinic here at Camp Pendleton? And, you know, between the, the doctors and the team at Marine Special Operations Battalion. And so it was almost like a, a, a pride thing. Like they felt like me going there was somehow taking away from their ability to treat me. And, uh, what, what I can't stress enough in that, uh, in that instance is it's the, the treatment within the concussion clinic on a base, right. Where I have, I had several appointments, you know, I'd have an appointment at the Marine special operations time. I'd have one at the old hospital where, you know, some of the concussion clinic was, and then I'd have some of the new hospital where, you know, vestibular therapy, speech therapy was. So it's all segmented and it's disjointed, right? And nobody's talking to each other. If, if we can get uh, service members that have TBI early to a inpatient program like NICO or some external program, um, I think there can be huge benefits that come from that and the long-term help of the patient and the long-term uh, service eligibility of that patient. And I, I think there, you know, yes, there still may be damage in, in the long run, but I think not doing that intensive inpatient therapy towards the beginning of when injuries happen or when we start seeing symptoms develop is a huge disservice. Second to that is, um, so there's, there's sort of like three New York times articles that I suggest everyone who's, who has TBI or is interested in it needs to look at. And one would be the latest one on the NFL brains. And then the others would be, uh, the one I referred to, you can just Google, you know, New York times PTSD being TBI. And then the other one is New York times troops discharged um, often had PTSD or TBI. And what they're finding is that a lot of, a lot of, uh, service members are getting in trouble and getting, you know, booted out of the military who had, uh, TBI. And it's, it's the injury that kind of led to, uh, sort of the, you know, whatever the behavior incident and, you know, led to them getting in trouble because they didn't have any treatment leading up to that. And so the, the thing that sucks about that is they're not, they're not able to get benefits. Let's say they're, they're kicked out and dishonorably discharged, which is happening in a lot of these cases is they, they don't have this continuum of care, whether they had care in the military to begin with or not. And, um, so that's, so, something that I would recommend for military providers is just if if you have somebody that's in trouble and they have a history of deployments or training with blast exposures, 
you need to consider TBI. And I'm talking about alcohol-related incidents. I'm talking about, you know, any, any type of behavioral stuff. If, if that person has a history of deployments and everything, it needs to be considered. Because um, you can treat the, you know, supposed alcoholism or this or that. I say, yeah, go ahead and treat that too. But we need, you're doing a huge disservice by not considering the TBI that's underlining and in, in causing um these things to happen. But, uh, and then as far as transition of care to the VA, uh, mine was horrible. I was, you know, I was even medically retired and everything was supposed to be set up with the VA and kind of a seamless transition. And I, you know, I think it's a lot better that way, um, as far as getting everything set up. But as far as care, I went in, and I was supposed to be seen by the uh, polysystem trauma unit, which is basically like their version of the concussion clinic. And I get seen by some resident who, you know, did a half-assed neuro neurological exam on me. And he said, oh, yeah, well, we're seeing there's nothing wrong with you. So um, based on this neurological exam. And so that's basically trying to say to you know, to somebody that doesn't know any better. Yeah. Okay. You got medically retired for TBI, right. And all these concussions, but you know, I did this little neurological exam on you and I basically ominous dominus say you're okay. And there's nothing, you know, that we can have services for you. So that meant no, no continued vestibular therapy, no continued speech therapy, uh, in any of these things that, that I was already working towards, you know, getting better, they were all just, taken away from me. And now I'm just, just seeing a primary care provider who's running my prescriptions for the migraines I was under, who exactly. has no opportunity. Exact same thing. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to speak over you. Exact same thing yeah. happened. It's just, I, I think it's sinister almost. Yeah, it is. I don't get it. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's interesting points that you bring up and it, I kind of stepping back and looking at the larger picture, um, as far as budgeting and, you know, resources that are allocated to fighting a war, right? I think with, you know, and, and to me, listening to you guys talk about this, this is the 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 ground truth of, of what, what's happening, right? I'm sure we can find, a, you know, a, a doctor, a neurosurgeon or somebody who can add, you know, scientific terms to exactly what's going on in the brain and whatnot. But outside of that, this is what's happening, right? And you guys both served in combat and, and all that. And so to me, this is the ground truth, but it, it kind of comes back to the political side as well, because the politicians are sending Americans to war. They're sending you guys are going fighting. Uh, and and it's, I, I believe it's a fight that needs to be fought. Uh, you know, we do have a problem uh, w with the enemy that we're fighting, right? But at the same time, they I feel like they need to look at it when they're allocating these budgets to fight these wars, it needs to be included that we're going to do right by the guys who are fighting these wars when they come home. Um, because what? you know what I mean? Like, like how is this, how is it okay that, and you know, Kevin, you said it's almost sinister and, and to be honest, it is. And at this point we it shouldn't be, we should figure, figure it out to a much more extensive degree. I think. And here's, here's my concern about it, right? So anyone that deploys to combat when they uh, file a claim through the VA, are gonna, they're going to 
be given a rating for PTSD, right? And PTSD, um, again, going back to a lot of the, the, not a lot, but a handful of these organizations out there that are looking for pity for the soldier. Well, again, PTSD is one of the things that where it's easy to pick up on the jargon. There's no real way to, to prove that you have or haven't, don't have it. And, it. and for me, I chose to be there. I volunteered for the military. I volunteered for Rangers. I volunteered for special forces. I volunteered for air. I did. I volunteered for everything. You know, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but yet at the same time, I was of the mindset to where, Hey, this is what I do. And again, I'm with you in the sense to where I can see the, the industrial war complex building, but at the same time, there is a necessity for guys like me out there. Right. right. And what I see now on the outside is that, you know, you know, I, dude, you know, Combat isn't as sexy as the movies. There's a lot of boring shit when you deploy to combat, right? And there is stress from being deployed to combat, and there is trauma from experiences that you have in combat, but not everyone is getting into gunfights. Not everyone is running and gunning. Not everyone is, is conducting combat, sustained combat operations. But unfortunately, we have trespassers among us, and what they do is they come back with the jargon and they make these doctors and these providers desensitized to it to the point when guys like like us show up and all we're, we're, we're getting, hey, the, the nightmare bullshit, you know, the disassociation, uh, the mood swings, whatever. But we're, we're not getting the care that we need on a humanistic level. You know, what I'm saying we're not being seen as individuals. It's PTSD is a victim's profile and there is nothing about us that is a victim. For, for yeah. me, what, what keeps me up at night is the shit I did. You know what I'm saying? Um, but even within that, because of the people around me and what we had to do, I can find justifications through the greater good of what our country needed at that point. Right. So I can justify my actions. I'm not some helpless little whelp that is curled up in a ball every time a firework goes off on the 4th of July. Right. The shit <laughs> that has been going on with me is out of my control. It is. It yep. is. 100% a neurological disorder. And this is without me being, you know, Mr. Wizard, right? But at the same time, dude, I am, I am 100% aware of my person and I am honest with myself. And I can tell you that the chatter that I've had in my head, the actions that I've made in the past through impulsive decisions or just, it's not stupidity. I mean, again, it's like the, the train wreck is occurring and I'm screaming to myself, jump, jump, jump. But, hey, I'm going to hang on to see how this thing ends. You know, it nothing makes any sense um, in the rational thought process that we once had is is long gone. You know, it's like guys were coming back, wrapping themselves around trees, doing shit that you would. We lost more guys on redeployments than we lost on deployments sometimes, you know. Um, yeah. And again, what, what and now I'm, I'm sorry to kind of go off on this rant, but. My frustration is I, I, again, through supporting my wife because she supports me, I go to one of these support groups and these little things. And it's, you know, it's, again, I don't want to take away from anyone's service. I don't want to take away from the stress that I know that the deployments cause. But dude, like the jargon that they're spitting does not add up to their service, if that makes any sense without be, being a complete asshole and just saying, hey, you're full of shit. Um, but what happens, so many of these freaking little shitheads have taken away the benefits from the, the, the folks that have been doing the work. 
And now we're at a point to where, hey, man, I'm kind of sitting here wondering what the hell is going on as I'm walking around in circles. And, and, and just like Dan, dude, like all of my treatment dropped off. And then the VA is like, yeah, you know, uh, be, dude, I got a 0% rating for, for TBI, but 50% for PTSD. That's and, insane. Yes. Right. The same type of shit. Because yep. I yelled at him, you know, I mean, like, oh, you're angry. Well, no shit, I'm angry. <laughs> you know, so, so I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Finish your. Finish no, I'm just bitching now. So it's like. Okay. It, but yeah. It, yeah. Tag your it. Sorry. This is what happens when you get two TBI guys together. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is your fault. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Kevin, did you, did you want to finish up? No, man. Again, I it just, I, what I really want. Sometimes service is enough. You know what I'm saying? And. And I just wish that those among us that were there and answered the call to their country could see that just being there was more than enough. And they don't have to, to come up with these grandiose stories of how something happened that never occurred. Again, mm-hmm. the stress is real, and I get that. The trauma is real, and I get that. But they can't hit us with this broad brushstroke and think that anything productive is going to come from it. We need to treat us on a humanistic level. The gunfighter stress is much different than the, I don't know, the, the other guy's stress. You know, the, the folks that didn't experience the gunfight, you know. Because even as, as a gunfighter, dude, I had trips where not one round was fired. Not one time where we shot at. Yeah. You know, and it was, it was, it was great, you know. But yet with that being said... There was still the stress that people outside the wire wanted to kill me every time I moved. So I'm not taking away the stress that we experience in combat. I'm just sick of this bullshit, this this like this narrative jargon that anyone can pick up and say, hey, these are the symptoms of PTSD. And they go into the VA and they say, hey, this is what I'm experiencing. And the next thing you know, all the VA is doing is pushing everyone out the door at a 50 percent rating but with no real care and no real concern of what's truly going on in our lives. So I have, yeah. a, que- I have a question for you, both of you guys. Um, and, and this is something, a sentiment that I've seen shared by a bunch of combat veterans, you know, particularly in the special operations community. Um, so it's obviously an issue with, like you were um, outlining, Kevin, about guys who did some stuff in the military but then come out and claim that they have PTSD or whatever. And and that kind of uh, slows down the system and, and really takes away from the guys who need the, the help, right? Absolutely. Is there is there any way to to slow that down or stop it completely? Um, you know, just from your experiences on how all these things work, do you guys see that there's any kind of possible way to, to stop that or prevent it from happening? Treat us on an individual level. Treat us humanistically, you know, rather than, um, you know, for, again, my, my frustrations with the whole PTSD diagnosis was, you know, what they have available is prolonged exposure therapy or uh, EMDR, right? Is that what it is? Dan, are you familiar with the EMD, EMRD? I can't even yeah. think. So you watch the dots and it does this. What it, but anyways, it's, again, it's, it's, it doesn't pertain to, what is going on for me? But yet at the same time, I had to go through it in order to get any type of treatment, any type of care. Um, 
So I think if we hit individuals on a humanistic level, yeah, that's going to be great. Then on top of that, yeah, dude, I mean, again, like not to hurt anyone's feelings, but we can, we can correlate combat stress is one side of the house. Combat trauma is, is a point specific incident, right? Whether they were hit by an ID involved in a vehicle crash or any type of indirect or direct contact with enemy, that is another easy way to, to do it. And then for the, the gunfighter side of the house, I mean, it's just, it's running a gun and all they need to do is look at the citations to stack and rack us against that, you know? And again, not everyone needs to come out with the silver star to, to be in that gunfight or be in that situation. Um, and, and that's a different level though. I mean, again, not to discredit anyone, but yet at the same time, th there are, you know, the, 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 the PTSD profile might fit for some, but, and speaking for myself, it doesn't work for me. And if it doesn't work for me, I have a hard time believing that it's going to work for other guys in my line of work. Um, because again, what, what fucks us up, man, isn't loud noises. It's the fact that, Hey, well, you know, we didn't realize that the backstop was a room full of kids or we didn't realize that when we called in an airstrike that, you know, these assholes had a family in the building with them. You know what I'm saying? And, and we're all sons. We're all, husbands we're all something more than a soldier so the the human toll and the human cost of combat that the media kind of sweeps away with collateral damage bullshit is 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 very hard to go forward with um and then you throw in the confusion and, and of the the tbis in the mix and that's where at least for me um the dialogue as i'll call it became extremely unhealthy um yep. you know to where, dude, I just, I didn't leave my house because I thought karma was going to come find me. I thought as long as I was home, my children were going to be safe. I was going to be, you know, it wasn't necessarily about me being safe, but I didn't want my family to be around whenever what bad was coming my way was going to look, you know, find me. And it sounds completely irrational, but yet at the same time, I think the gunfighters really know the random, how random life is, you know? Um, but then on top of it, to be one of these guys that, that took the fight to where it needed to be, but yet at the same time, you know, it's a population centric environment. There is no battlefield anymore. You know, it's homes, it's families, it's, it's, it's lives destroyed. And, and we understand that. Um, and it, 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 and it weighs on us extremely heavily. And again, my frustration builds because like, holy fuck, man, I just want to get this off my chest. But yet I had to talk about like, you know, how Uncle Steve might have touched me behind my bathing suit when I was a fucking kid. You know, it was and, and it was that fucking weird, the treatment that the army provided us to go through. And then at the same time, understanding that, hey, the prolonged exposure uh, therapy and treatment was contractual. So the docs that we had were bound to, to that protocol of treatment and couldn't go out of their, uh, their, their lane to take better care of us. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little angry. Sorry. <laughs> so understandable and and just to kind of backtrack so you know because obviously you know you pointed out earlier where you 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 said and you don't want to kind of poke anyone in the eyes the, the phrase you used but there are organizations that you know raise awareness right and and i think at this point a lot of people know that you know 20 plus veterans are killing themselves every day um so then that brings us to the point of you know, we don't want to just talk about problems. We want to talk about solutions as well. Um, and I think what, what you said, you know, in response to my question, 
it, it provides a solution. Uh, I'm not sure if that's something that's been proposed at any level to any anybody who's making decisions in terms of, uh, you know, matching matching up claims with, you know, what you did in your service uh, in a realistic way. Right. Are you training in explosives? Are you training in, you know, live firing in uh, small spaces? And, and, and that way you can pick out. Uh, you know, where someone might be just kind of making it up, right? And 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 uh, and and maybe even and this, I'm just talking shit. Maybe even it can be said that people should be penalized for trying to, you know, suck up resources that should not be allocated to them, right? Oh, um, so, and, and I, I, like I said before, you know, you, you never know the kind of positive effects you can have with a platform when when you're really kind of giving that ground truth out there. And, you know, I just hope that someone somewhere can listen to this when it goes live and, and say, you know what, you know, what these guys were saying is, is really true. And they were talking about the problems in a real way, but also offering solutions. And, and based on what they were saying, we can try to figure out a realistic way to move forward. Um, and, and, you know, so, it's, it's something I, 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 I talked about in previous podcasts, like even the, the, the number of 22 veterans committing suicide a day is, is really, it's, it's higher than that. You know, they don't report all the suicides. Um, and then another thing that's not talked about is the majority of those suicides aren't even GWAT veterans. It's Vietnam veterans. So, and, and I've talked to Vietnam veterans, you know, I've had one on a, on a podcast, a um, Mac V. Sog guy, who's a Mac V. Sog team leader in Vietnam. And, you know, all these guys, and, and they they had a really raw deal, you know. Uh, what you said before, Kevin, was, you know, talking about war and, you know, we, call, we called an airstrike and, you know, there was a, a family in that house. And, and that's just the reality of how bad war is, right? It's like no rules, no no diplomacy, just bad shit happening everywhere. And, and obviously it's something that you have to go through to truly understand it, right? But I guess you can understand it from the outside looking in, just saying, oh, you know, this is what you're saying. This is what you're saying. I understand that. Right. Um, so, so I, I, like I said, I just hope that this podcast, this episode reaches someone and it kind of sparks, uh, you know, get, gets that fire burning under people's asses and, and hopefully it could, uh, you know, make some good change. Well, and, you know, and like I said, all, all I have to offer is, 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 is my life, you know, the, the, my life experiences, the irrefutable truth of, of, of where I've been and what I've done and, you know, not to be cheesy and plug my company by any means, but, you know, I, I started a small company and it's, I'm knitting hats. So it's, it's not like it's profitable, but, you know, but it's the right thing to do because what we're doing right now is bringing in both caregivers and combat veterans and basically dude just sitting around and teaching them how to knit and then sitting around and bitching. But it's an open forum for both collaboration and expression. And it really has made a difference in the lives of the guys that have come through the, the course, if you will, so far. Um, and it's one of those things. It's I found my place, man. I found my center. Um and I'm going to continue to kind of be this angry little shithead in the back of the room, um, <laughs> wait for someone that's a little bit smarter than me to, to figure it out. But, but dude, I'm, I'm making a home for, for us. I'm, I'm, I'm building, I'm building an environment that we will never find in the private sector. Um, 
and, and, and it, I need it as much as the guys that have been coming through the door need it, you know, and, it, and it's as much for me as it is for them. And again, it's, it's one of those things through, um, through honesty and, and trust and, you know, dare I say at the risk of sounding gay love, um, I want to take care of my guys, you know, and, it, and, um, again, it's, it's, you know, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I live very presently in today. Um, and not in the way that I was before where it was reckless and irresponsible, but I am, you know, 100% aware, aware of, you know, how my daughter walks across the room or how my son laughs or what my wife sounds like. Um, because every morning it seems I get a little bit further away from that, you know? Um, and if there are guys or gals going through this bullshit, man, I just kind of wanted to put it out there that, Hey, we're building a home and, um, and you're going to be around friends and family. Yeah. So Dan, you also had, uh, you had mentioned to me, well, I think it was yesterday or the day before about some reading that you'd done, or, or I think it was like a online radio show you listened to. Uh, yep. specifically about this kind of stuff. Uh, can we jump into that a little bit? Yeah. If, if you don't mind, I know you proposed that last question to both of us. Uh, do you oh, mind yeah, if yeah. I go back and answer yeah, it? Yeah, Cause sure. I, I have some kind of solutions from my point of view, uh, as what, what can be done differently or whatever in a positive way. Yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah. And then I'll jump to that article. So the, the way I see the disparity between, you know, what you're talking about, this, you know, insane amount of people that supposedly have PTSD and they're getting hundred percent ratings for PTSD for twisting their ankle and training. And they're so traumatized by that, that they're not, you know, that they didn't make it to where they wanted to, that they get a hundred percent disability rating with the VA. And that's just one common example. And I've heard countless similar to it. And the problem is we're, we're tying in TBI with PTSD, right? We're just kind of like throwing it under the rug of, of PTSD somewhere like, oh, yeah, you have brain damage or whatever, but it's like under here. And, you know, basically to get taken care of, you almost have to get the PTSD to get any type of care done. And so what we need to do is take TBI out of that rug. We need to set it completely to the side and say, this is its own deal and start start maybe we just need to change the name of it, you know, like post post blast wave concussion, you know, syndrome or something like that, where it's, it's, it's not just traumatic brain injury, you know, it, it, that, that leads it to be labeled and still this like psychological um, realm. Whereas we need to look at it for what it is, be up to date on the research where we're seeing Yes, there is physical damage. Get guys checked out for the CTE and other things that are going on for, you know, the pituitary damage for, you know, potentially low testosterone. Um, and so it, it just needs to be recategorized. And as far as like resources and the amount that are getting dumped into false claims into PTSD, <sighs> Uh, unfortunately the VA is a bureaucratic government ran system and, you know, socialist to some degree. And so the, the mechanisms for people to take advantage of that system are in place. And that needs to be looked at 
very closely how how you unwind that i'm not sure but i do know that the people that have tbi need need to be um treated in a separate category and and if they have ptsd issues yes you know if you need to see a therapist go go see them but uh, uh, my second point for that would be is an education piece for providers if you're going to be treating people that have combat experience combat exposure to blast. They need to be educated on what the difference is between a football hit and a blast wave concussion. They need to be updating themselves, right? Being being a medical provider myself while I was in, you 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 constantly are uh re-educating yourself because medicine's always changing, right? And so like uh you know I, I ran I've run into many doctors who just just don't understand the magnitude of the blast that I was exposed to. And I know we talked about that in the last podcast, but also running into, uh, you know, an educated therapist on the, the psychological side where they they see PTSD as their wheelhouse and they just want to they just want to treat you for that as opposed to looking at TBI for what it is and it. And what I would consider is it turns into sort of a chronic pain management uh, issue for the things we don't understand about the brain, for, for the ways we don't know fully how to treat and make things better. You're, you're starting to deal with, okay, how, how do I cope with this over you know the rest of my life? And kind of steering therapy into that direction, I think is beneficial for TBI patients. And Right, almost, almost in a way that Kevin found that doing the knitting kind of helped him get back to a, a, a better spot in, in, in a way that, you know, this helped me. It doesn't necessarily have to be knitting, but educating in that type of role. Right. Which, which leads me right into what has worked for me. And uh, so basically after, you know, being kind of sidelined by the, by the VA, all they want to do is give me some type of also, that's that's another point for the for the VA is treat treat the patient and not the protocol. We need to get away from from patient protocols, right? Well, he has you know headaches, so I'm going to give him this migraine medication. If that doesn't work, I'm going to give him this one. And it's almost like they didn't know what to do with a proactive patient like myself who's coming in and be like, I don't want to take the medication. I want to try other therapies, and they're just like. They're flabbergasted. They don't know what to do when somebody, like Kevin was touching on, they're so so used to the the victim treatment mentality of a you know PTSD patient. They don't know what to do when somebody wants to actually get better. And it's there. There was a therapist I saw. She just wanted to get me a medication so the appointment could get over. And I told her I, I knew, already knew as soon as she said it. I knew all the signs and side effects from it. And the first one on it is uh, suicidal tendencies. Literally on the, the medical handout, the first side effect is like uh, possible su- su- suicidal ideations. And I tell her this, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not taking that. And she put it in the computer anyways, and it showed up to my address, right? It got mailed to my house. So luckily I had the medical knowledge and, and wherewithal not to take that, right? But if you think of a patient who wasn't a medical provider in the military, right? And he's told, hey, you're going to take this medication. Oh, you're going to take this medication. And they all pile up and they get mailed to his house and he takes them all. And 
you're ending up with this, you know, terrible cocktail of drugs working against each other that aren't, you know, addressing any of the problems with the TBI. And so get, get away from the protocols, treat the patient and be, uh, there's this new new way of uh, treatment that's kind of coming out in medicine where it is supposed to be uh, patient focused or relationship focused when when you're working with the patient and it's not hey this is what the book says so this is what we're going to do this is what the book says this is what the patient's goals are right so like for myself I don't want to take medications right because I, I knew that I knew this is a long term game I don't want to be on medications the rest of my life right. I need to find a way to deal with this without medication. And so those are kind of my points for the VA. What's worked for me, I got out and I moved to Texas specifically because I knew there was a couple of like brain treatment centers here in Dallas. And one of them I got hooked up with was the Cerebrum Center, Um, was called Carrick Brain Center. It's now Cerebrum Center. And the results I got there were night and day. I, you know, coming out from my family members, everybody saying that I was a completely different person coming out of there. And that was with like speech, mood, ability to focus. And then, you know, that's, that's kind of the global things. Um, the concrete stuff they do there is vestibular therapy. I went from being in a conversation with somebody standing next to them and people thinking I'm drunk because I'm sitting there swaying all over the place. And it's because my, there was damage in my inner ear that was causing me to be geospatially unaware of my surroundings. So I'm sitting there, you know, unable to figure out I'm getting, turns out I was getting inputs that I was falling forward and right all the time. And so they were really good at retraining my vestibular system. And I actually came out of there and my balance balance is like perfectly on point. And I think, I think the global kind of uh, other issues that got better as far as like mood and ability to focus there, I think, I think fixing the vestibular part helped take some stress off the brain. And so instead of having to like be computing these false inputs from my inner ear all the time, being off balance, now I got the balance on point and now I still am dealing with the other brain damage, but at least I don't have that additional uh, wear and, you know, wear and tear or fatigue on the brain. So can't recommend them enough. Then uh, the rest of it, I, I got fed up with the VA as far as trying to see therapy. And it was hard to see a therapist while I was in the military too. And I can't recommend enough finding a therapist outside of the military system, outside of the VA, um, finding somebody that you can talk to and be you know, free and open with and not worry about what they're putting in the computer. Uh, and actually work with them on, you know, trying to better yourself. And I went in it with the focus on, okay, I realize I'm having these migraines twice, three times a week, sometimes more. Um, and the medication doesn't work. This is before I found CBD, which I'll, I'll get into that. But I needed to find uh, something that would help me deal with this, what's turning into a chronic pain issue. And through, I, I found a therapist, we clicked and we started working on that. And I, that led me to meditation techniques of actually, instead of getting a migraine where I go to my bed and I'm just like face down in a pillow for hours on end, I would choose to be 
sitting in my front room, looking out and, you know, at the grass and the trees and just meditating while the migraine was happening. Yes, it was painful and everything, but it was like, it was me taking ownership of my life and the fact that I can actually do something during that pain because the depression comes in when you feel this hopelessness, right? This migraine's coming out of nowhere. It's taking complete control of your life. And now you're just bedridden, right? And it just ruins your whole day. Whatever you plan on doing was like, throw it out the window. And so, uh, for people that aren't willing to try, uh, you know, cannabis or CBD, I would suggest that as like a first step, you know, is, um, for, for improvement. If you're dealing with the, the migraines and everything from, uh, TBI. And so for the migraines, the, the medication that they have for it just doesn't work. Okay. And I think the problem is we're, we're viewing migraines as like uh, a migraine that somebody would ha- have just normally. And what I've actually found through some research I did today, actually, I'm starting to put all this together and what you have is there's actually a study done at Penn state. I just found that, uh, these neuroscientists and engineers actually started looking at, you know, basically the difference between seizure and migraines. And, uh, they thought they were completely separate deals where a migraine kind of has like a, uh, depression effect on brain activity and seizures is like hyper electrical activity of the uncontrolled activity of the brain. And what they found is looking at it from a physics standpoint is the, uh, your, your neurological cells in your brain have this constant flow of, uh, they need oxygen, right? And this is causing these, these ions to uh, build up. And if this gets out of order, you're either having like an hyper uh, electrical activity or this dampening effect. What they're finding is they're not separate. They can both happen among those conditions. And so people can ha- be having like migraine type symptoms and seizure type symptoms uh, alongside each other. And I just found this today. I had kind of thought that in my head just from going through them. This, this is what it felt like. It felt like this uncontrolled static electricity in my brain. Sometimes it's like a lightning strike. Sometimes it's just the static that just sits there all day. And, um, sometimes I'll get tremors in my arms and legs. And, you know, sometimes I'll get stroke like symptoms with droop jaw and all this. And so what I'm discovering, and I'm kind of piecing this all together and I really haven't, this is where I'm kind of challenging people. Like let's take the research further on this is I think it's all combined with the blast related concussions, right? Where you have this complicated damage pattern between, you know, the pituitary gland, your brain just getting the coup contra coup. Then you have the, the CTE. Then you have uh, what they're finding, the Dr. Pearl study, where you have this dust pattern between the gray matter and white matter that's right in between those synapses, right? So now you talk about a vascular disturbance plus a electrical disturbance, and it's causing these migraine slash seizures to occur. And what is a solution for seizures is CBD. 
And it's, it's shown through clinical studies now that uh, CBD, which is uh, one of the uh, cannabinoids found in cam- cannabis, can actually either reduce seizure activity or, uh, or completely wipe it out. And so for me, before I did all this research today, I had started clicking in my brain. I saw, this is what I thought was happening, that these migraines were somehow seizure related also. And I I saw the success they were having with children with seizures and using CBD oil. And I finally was like, you know what? I'm tired of trying to use these uh, prescription medication, which they don't know a lot of the long-term side effects of using them. Like for example, Maxol, that I was taking, it's a preventative. So you have to catch some kind of aura, which I don't realize is happening. My, my wife would have to see me being like in a checked out state to give me the max all. And then it just puts me to sleep. So then I'm just out all day. Um, and so that stuff wasn't working. And so I had finally broken down. I was like, you know what? I'm willing to try cannabis. If it works, I I'm willing to try anything because uh, when you start getting that chronic pain issue, it becomes more of a depression. And that's where I can speak towards where I think a lot of the suicide comes from in the TBI world is misdiagnosis. They're told it's PTSD, not TBI. So they think it's a psychological issue, psychological issue when it's a physical issue. So then they think it's all in their head. So they're having these very physical things happen that they're being told is just them basically making it up in their head or causing them their own pain through emotions. And it's also a chronic pain issue. So even if they understand it's physical, then they're in this like depressive state. They're using medication that's not working. And that's where the hopelessness, the isolation and the, you know, depression come in, which is, you know, and then you add in one night of drinking and boom, there you have it. And that's, that's, you know, hitting all the checklists for, you know, potential suicide to happen. So I can't recommend CBD enough. When I finally broke down, I uh, made a trip out to Colorado and I was, uh, got some CBD and a pill form. That, that's the great thing about cannabis. Everybody thinks it's just, you know, smoking, smoking pot. Uh, but they have, um, edibles they have tincture oils that you like put underneath your tongue and they even have it in a pill form that looks like just any old multivitamin right and uh i was i got a i got a migraine and first time using it it was pretty bad one and i took one and within 20 minutes it was completely wiped out all all the seizure migraine uh symptoms were gone and it was life changing. It was um, to. It was life changing, liberating, and upsetting at the same time. Why is this illegal? Why are we? You know, it very quickly turned from. Wow, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how much success I'm getting from this. This is amazing. To why is this illegal? Why are we making this difficult for people to obtain? And why are we not, you know, giving it to people?
people with TBI before we give them these, when we know it works for seizures and these other things, let's start studying, you know, the connection between migraines and seizures and TBI and let's get it in the formulary. Let's, you know, instead of using these experimental migraine drugs that we don't even know what they're doing. And, uh, we do have an understanding of what CBD is doing. It, it acts as a, um, a sort of a a antioxidant in, in the brain when it comes to these, uh, you know, storms of chemical reaction that's happening in the brain. And they're actually saying that it's even good for, uh, right after a traumatic brain injury to be giving CBD to kind of help in that, uh, you know, in the inflammatory process in a brain injury, you have a release of these neurotoxins. And so, uh, CBD being an antioxidant can go in and actually help dampen the effects of this, this sort of chemical storm that happens when there's a brain injury. So CBD works and something that, uh, I've found personally is I, I wanted to be able to dial it in where I can take just enough where it wipes it out. And I found that I could take like a quarter of one of these little multivitamin pills, a quarter of it. And it would, you know, lower grade migraine slash, uh, seizure activity, completely wipe it out. And I'm completely able to go about my day and do whatever I plan on doing. And that's ultimately what my goal was is I hate the control being taken away from me where my day is just completely ruined, whether it's taking the medication that I was giving or the migraine, either one's going to keep me down or hung over all day. The CBD completely freed me up to where I can take control back over my life, where I can go back to what I was planning on doing that day. I can do a podcast. I can edit a video, you know, um, and being productive, I still feel like I have, a, you know, I have a life. I, I still have somewhat control and that's, that's what it gave me. Um, the only other recommendation I can give people for, for what for, worked for me is I made it my job to recover. When, when I got out, I basically told myself, Hey, you're not going to be good to anybody around you unless you find a way to get better. And so, um, I had to kind of put relationships to the side and, um, luckily I have a, you know, very understanding wife who gave me the freedom to do that. And it's just completely focusing on, on, on trying to get better in any way possible. And, you know, ultimately it's your life. So if people have TBI, they need to, um, try and take over as much as you can your care. If a, if a doctor's prescribing you a drug, it doesn't mean you have to take it. You know, they may not fully understand the gravity of what's going on. Right. And so, um, realizing that there, there isn't a, a sort of magic pill or whatever, like, yes, yes. CBD works for me and my symptoms when it comes to the migraine seizure type activity I'm dealing with. And, uh, you know, cannabis has worked for Kevin, but I would say everybody needs to search around and find out what works for them. And 
and don't be afraid to get weird with it. Before I found, you know, CBD for the migraines and stuff through therapy, I was, I went to, uh, you know, coyote healing center and saw a shaman and, you know, all the stuff. And it was very beneficial for me because when you're, when you're talking about a long term pain issue or like, you know, somebody with, you know, uh, terminal cancer or this or that, find what works. Don't worry about what other people think or whatever. You're, you're the one that has to live in, in, in your body, your mind and live your life. Right. So, so who cares what, what everybody else thinks, find what works for you and, and do that. And, um, so yeah, I know, I know that was kind of a, a rant, but, um, I can't. No, it was good, man. Um, Fucking beautiful. Amazing, right? <laughs> Honestly. No, I loved it. Fucking loved it, dude. It, it needs uh, to be it needs to be shared with as many people as possible because I mean again, it's like the fact that you and I can can just be honest and say, Yeah, I, I stepped away from a seven year habit of, of pharmaceuticals to where now I am of clear mind and, and present and I'm working on healing rather than masking is is incredibly empowering, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like where I'm at, dude. Six months ago, I wasn't leaving the house, and I'm 5,500 miles into a cross-country road trip with my family and dog. You know, I've, yeah. I've mended relationships with with family that I haven't seen in almost a decade, you know, because exactly the bullshit you're talking about. Not bullshit, but, you know, the, the bullshit side effects of what we had to deal with. No, I, I, again, I, I applaud you, man. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah, it's you know it's it's like it's so interesting to hear, it. and it's like the kind of the the culmination of everything, and then Dan is you know he's really done research and he's he's adding the the kind of scientific side to it, but on top of the you know like Dan said, don't be afraid to get get weird with it and figure out what works for you, right? And and then. To add to my point, you know, Kevin with his warrior woven is knitting and he, and that's helped him. And they're doing some other stuff with uh, trying to get like-minded individuals together to help heal is, and I think this is more of a psychological aspect of it, you know, not so much physical or, you know, where there's damage in the brain, but, you know, I feel like as human beings, not just military, but maybe even more so guys who are coming out of the military, you know, going a hundred miles per hour to getting out and and now you have to readjust to kind of living as a, a civilian in the United States or you know wherever you live is is having that purpose you know you know like having that north star something that you're you're striving for and and pushing towards um and that kind of gives you that gives you drive you know you have a goal and and what do you have to do to achieve this goal or or to reach this objective and I think that has that does benefits that has a beneficial side on the psychological part of it, uh, you know, outside of the physical side. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And but I also I also think that that can translate to a lot. A lot of people say, well, you know, find purpose. Oh, you need to get this corporate job because that'll you know, you'll be adding to a team and, and this and that. Uh what, what I've found beneficial is, you know, find purpose in your life, right? right? Uh, create something. Uh, like Kevin said, he found knitting. It's, it's something that's simple. And right. I've found s- simple things that work for me. Going to the gym, which was a huge, huge game changer for me, yeah. is this 
weightlifting, simple input and output. I'm moving this weight from here to there, you know, and, uh, that, that made other parts of, of, of dealing with, with the symptoms of TBI and everything so much better. Cause I, I am putting something out still, uh, getting creative. I, I just, I've started painting where I'm going to try and do a painting a week now. And I just painted a, uh, you know, my sort of depiction of what a migraine is like. And, uh, it's just, it's stuff like that where it, it feels good to do something simple and just get, get stuff out, put stuff out in, into right. the world, you know? And, yeah. uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I feel like you saying that kind of completed my point, you know, because it, it's so interesting. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys, I'm, I might've asked you this, um, Dan, last time we talked, I'm not, I don't remember, but, um, there was a, probably the most famous samurai from the, the feudal era of Japan, uh, his name is Masashi Miyamoto, and he wrote, uh, you know, after his his fighting days, he wrote a book called The Book of Five Rings, and he kind of breaks down a lot of things uh, in, in, in life, you know, kind of military tactics, but also one of the staples of what a lot of people thought at that time, you know, these guys went through, you know, hundreds of years of war, of war you know, in Japan, you know, swords and, and whatnot. And, one of the the staples of what they thought would com- make a warrior kind of complete, and and this spills over into civilian life as well, not just warriors, but um, is if you wanted to his one of his things was if you want to master the martial arts, you have to also you know get creative. Paint uh, at the time they used to do you know gardening was big in Japan. It was, it was a way to kind of express yourself through creativity and. And that's also a part of the purpose piece and, and kind of finding peace with yourself. And, and, uh, and, you know, like, like Kevin's, he's, he's knitting and, and, and coming up with patterns and colors and, and he's, it's a form of expressive, uh, creativity. And, and that something that sounds so simple really has such a, a tremendous impact on, on the psychological side of it for, for really anybody and, and more so for guys who are, uh, who have been through years of war and combat and, and have, you know, had their, their bell rung a couple of times. And, and, and I couldn't stress it enough. And, and it's just amazing to hear you say that, you know, now you want to paint, you know, once a week or something like that. And, and, you know, you're doing video editing, you're, you're audio editing for your podcast. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just so important. And, and another thing I would like to say is, uh, and I'm sure I've said this before, but, you know everything that's ha- that we've experienced in some way, shape, or form. Someone in history has experienced it already. Maybe not exactly the same way. You know they weren't calling in five hundred pound bombs in in the wars they fought in Japan, right? But it's it's all similar and it's all relative. So you know, and, and I'm kind of a history geek myself. So I feel like you can look into the past and 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 read or or listen to. You know, you got audio books of experiences that people went through and it, it it's just so amazing how we're all so much alike and and even more so than we think i think the human yeah, dude. except my hats are really fucking awesome yeah <laughs> <laughs> no nah, it's i don't know man it, it's it's incredible you know and for me i'm i'm a, a stay-at-home dad 
So um, define this creative process and to witness not necessarily my transformation, but the transformation of my children um, to see their comfort grow, their happiness expand, um, their imaginations just go wild. Um, and to be a part of something positive on such a small scale. But, you know, again, it's, it's that whisper that's going to build into a roar and, you know, yeah. and what is going to come of this is, is going to be incredibly amazing compared to where I was, you know, um, so on the smallest level, but yet at the greatest priority, I've, I've already began to affect lives in, in an incredibly positive way, um, uh, just through, uh, my own creativity. Yeah. And even Kevin, even like, you know, I, I saw you post, um, I think you posted on your warrior woven page, you know, a, a post about where you were talking about how you were kind of in the hole and you've, you've, you've come out of it. And even just kind of expressing yourself in that way, you know, even if it's just social media, you know, banging out two paragraphs where you're kind of putting your thoughts on the page. I think it has so much benefit, you know, especially when you're in a situation where you're going through something that it's, it's, it's so heavy on your life, you know, whether it's you know, someone passed away that you're close to or, a situation where you were really, you really felt like you were at the bottom of, of, of the barrel and, and you were able to kind of come out of that. And, and like I said, I just can't, uh, stress enough how important expression is, uh, in, in, as human beings in, in the world that we live in, you know? Yeah. So, um, Dan, you mentioned you were talking about like treating seizures and, and how the CBD oil um, really does great work with that. It's there's videos online. I'm sure you've seen some of them where yeah. people are like shaking, you know, and then the mm -hmm. second they take the oil, it's like they're a completely different person. Um, yeah. And and it just it it kind of lends to the larger conversation about why is marijuana not legal you know in, in all states you know and and i think politics has a lot to do with that i think the pharmaceutical industry yep you know why, 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 why did they just why did they just uh not let the vote for getting cannabis access to veterans who qualify for it didn't make it through the rules committee right yeah right right so let me give you a little insight to that do you know who runs the rules committee no Pete Sessions, uh, congressman from Dallas, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at his, uh, Pete Sessions political action, uh, campaign group, right? A majority of the contributors to that are ph pharmaceutical companies. So, you know, I may be stupid, but that looks suspicious as uh, fuck to me. And what are we doing? You know? Why, why are we withholding something from, yeah. especially, you know, everybody, everybody that needs this, everybody that can have their life changed by it. Well, why are know, we still holding it up? And it, a lot of times it comes down to a money issue. They want to continue making money off of it. Why, why do the pharmaceutical companies already have patents on cannabis? Like it just, right. it infuriates they, 
optical properties, but yet they have Sativex, which is a, a synthetic form of, of sativa, and then Marinol, which is also a derivative of, of cannabis, but yet deny it, you know. And so, so it's, you know, for me, it's one of those uh, miracles I saw when my wife went through chemotherapy from breast cancer. You know, she was 80 pounds. Her last eyelash was falling off. She was dying and had thousands of dollars of prescription drugs and nothing was working. Um, and the next thing you know, you know, the housewife connection comes together um, and my wife has access to cannabis. And, you know, this is 12 years ago. So in a very conservative state and it wasn't legal whatsoever. But anyways, shit happened. She got it. And next thing you know, she's out of bed and she's at the table and she's eating seconds and she's starting to heal and recover. You know, so up until that point, you know, for me, it was always kind of like the hippies excuse, you know, the medical marijuana was just, uh, they just wanted to get it going so they could have access to it. And then I saw it firsthand with my wife. And what was so ridiculous is at the time where it was coming from was like, like without like saying fucking names, dude, it was coming from like, you know, the top fucking dude in use of socks old lady and the postman was dropping it off you know what i'm saying like yeah this demonstrates how ridiculous the law is when everyone is circumventing it right but yeah and it's you know like well point in case you brought up the money like dude i eliminated seven prescription drugs that i was on for eight years just yeah. imagine if we all were able to do that what would happen you know but yeah. they're not looking at the human factor once again they're looking at the profit margin um, or, and, or, or God forbid, I'm able to grow my own medication in my backyard. Right. Well, they right. call it weed for a reason, right, dude? Like, yeah. holy shit. No, yeah. it, it's, it's Nancy Reagan. It's Nixon. Dude, we, were, we all came up, you know, being right. conditioned, you know, by the system. But this is where it becomes dangerous because now our access to knowledge is unlike anything this world has ever seen before, you know. Yep. Everyone can question. Everyone can question authority. And we have this parental form of governance that is not changing with the times. And what we're seeing are these angry Gen Xers that are raising these militant libertarian little kids. And it's coming and it's brewing. And regardless of where you are in this country, you know, I think we can all agree that something wicked is coming our way, dude. You know, um, and it's not left or right, but it's a movement from within, you know, and I think the cannabis is just the first of the layers of the onion to get peeled back. What else have, has been withheld from the people? What other lies has have been, you know, told to, to control um, and so on and so forth. And I'm dude, don't get me wrong, man. I'm a patriot. I'm 100% fucking American, but yet at the same time, man, like fix my roadways. Don't tell me how to live my fucking life. You know, yeah, exactly. And it, and it, it's, you know, it's so hypocritical of politicians when they say, you know, they're, they're not for big government, they're for small government, but then they're going to tell you that you can't consume marijuana. You know what I mean? When, like you said, you know, I didn't even know that about your wife, you know, and, and you know, firsthand from your experience that that helped her. Right. Right. And it's like, why the fuck is this not legal? You know what I'm saying? Like, like you're telling me you're for a small government and you're all about letting people, you know, live their lives. But, but you know your wife is not allowed to take cannabis she has to do it under the table right to 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 help save her life you know what i'm saying like it's just it's so bullshit and like you said people are really getting tired of it and you know before marijuana was outlawed a lot of medications that people bought in um 
you know, pharmacy or whatever, like in the early, you know, 1930s, 1920s or whatever, it contained some kind of cannabis in it. Uh, If you go to Mexico, they you can buy medications on the fucking street that contain cannabis. You know, marijuana is a Mexican word. It's, it comes from Mexico. You know what I'm saying? And, and those people have been around for a long time. And, and, you know, while they do have their issues in the country, uh, as, as a, comes to marijuana you know they know what the fuck they're talking about and um it's you know and like you said we have a we have access to information and communication like never before and um but at at the same time it's almost a double-edged sword because the 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 truth is there and the information is there but so is the ability to twist the truth and bend the truth and and mislead people you know what i mean absolutely so like i'm looking at the mayo clinic website right and for for CTE, their treatment is cut back on act- activities, get plenty of rest, reduce physical activity if it increases your symptoms. Basically, do do nothing. It's like so. So what? Our, our, as soon as we get a brain injury, like our life ends. You know, you you just basically they're happy with you just sitting at home doing nothing at all being super medicated yeah watching tv or and shit. yeah well where where meanwhile then you're getting all the you know second and third order effects of of living a sedentary lifestyle right of of the the medical costs that come from that so now you know not only you talk from a social standpoint we're talking about this this gross you know uh cost of of uh you know medical benefits in the u.s where you know, they're, they're talking about diabetes. They're talking about heart issues. Well, when I'm sitting at home all day, not doing anything, uh, that's what's leading to those other issues as well. Yeah. You know, so now, now I'm becoming even more of, uh, uh, sort of burden on the medical system and, you know, taxpayer dollars or, or right. whatever. Right. And, and ultimately right, it falls on the taxpayers. And, uh, Dude, you, you want me to go back to that Hemingway brink? Because I actually had some uh, interesting comments on that that kind of tie into treatments of this stuff. Um, oh, right. The Hemingway, yeah, yeah. When he, he kind of yeah. blew his brains out, yeah. So they they think he, there's this uh, psych, psychiatrist or psychologist that uh, does for, forensic psych, uh, psychiatry, I think. And so he kind of looked back into Hemingway's case. And where they thought he was just an al- alcoholic who, you know, had dementia or whatever, and he blew his brains out. What they're finding is he had all these brain injuries, you know, consecutively over his lifetime, you know, even from uh, World War One, And then, you know, he was in this sidecar on a motorcycle and some, uh, you know, r- running around Germany in World War Two and got like blasted out of it from a tank shell and got into plane crashes. And so he basically had all these brain issues. And what he found is he got this, uh, the electrical therapy, the, like, uh, I think it's called, uh, ECT. It's, it's difficult to, for me to remember which one, cause you have CTE, you know, the, the, in the disease process. And then you have this ECT treatment that, if you think of the Hollywood movies where they're holding up these, you know, electrical probes up to the person's brain, and that's like kind of an exaggeration of the process. But 
what he's his his case he's putting forward is that basically that him going through that procedure didn't help him. He committed suicide several days later. It was actually the psychological uh, catalyst that he basically gave up on his life because he's like, you know, he was in total despair and having, you know, basically saying I've been lowered to such a level that I've had to get this, you know, treatment and being down so down on himself that that's what led to his suicide. And they're actually thinking that, you know, he put it in sort of a numbers perspective. It was probably, you know, 15% the alcohol, you know, 10% or whatever. But he's, he said basically 85% of it was this mistreatment of his condition. And, uh, that's, that's what led him to commit suicide because I mean, he had, he had, if you think about it, yeah, he had drinking alcohol heavily all his life, you know, um, was, was that what caused him, you know, to all of a sudden kill himself? He, he'd been drinking heavily all his life, you know, and that's, uh, however, in, in this article, the, uh, psychiatrist or psychologist advises, uh, for using medication first and then actually, uh, the benefits of these um, electronical stimulation, or now they're doing magnetic stimulation. And I would just caution people with that. And that's sort of the con, con I saw out of that article is how, how he ends up rounding it up is the benefits being look at, look at people's entire history. Don't just throw them into this category of, oh, he's an alcoholic. This is what's calling, causing all his problems, right? Um, especially when it comes to military members and TBI, we need to look at the entire history, patient history. And the, so that's what the benefits of that article is. And the con would be at the end where they say, take medication, try these electronic stimulation. And, uh, that's where I would caution people is I would try the less invasive methods of treatment, um, and being that they have cannabis in edible forms, I think it is a very non-invasive uh, way of treating things. Try the meditation. Try, try other stuff first before you go get a procedure from a doctor who, yes, they may have patients that have, you know, some success and, you know, get better for a, a period of time. And, yeah, maybe explore the magnetic stuff that's not apparently not so as bad. But, um just realize that each doctor that specializes in something like that, that's their thing. They want people to do it. So they're going to sell you on the success of it. Right. And you got to find a way to see through all that and kind of come up with what are you okay with, you know, um, because it, it, it's your brain, it's your life. And to feed so. off of that, Dan, I mean, that's where, Again, the dialogue for the high rates of veteran suicides come up because right now what we have available is one of the treatment co protocols is the EMDR, which is the eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, right? Which mm -hmm. is electrostim, watching little dots and so on and so forth. The conspiracy side of the house was this was a program that was a part of the MK Ultra bullshit and was shit canned in the 70s due to the high rates of suicides, but yet they're bringing it back to treat PTSD today. So again, have open dialogue. Hey, what medications were these guys on? What treatment protocols did they receive? You know, and how many of our guys and gals have recently gone through that type of electro stim or you know the the reprogramming and processing 
um, you know, in comparison to the suicide rates. The dialogue needs to happen. The chatter needs to happen. And if it's not going to come from, uh, you know, the government organizations, it needs to come from the families, you know, and that's where, again, it's like you're absolutely right where all they're going to offer you is a Band-Aid. You know, there is no healing. There is no recovery through any of this bullshit, man. Um, and, and again, just speaking from life experiences and the truth of what I know is that healing has been found and is occurring within us through the, the cannabis. I would stress that, hey, like if it's not available in your state, move to a state to where it is, you know, yeah. find access to medicinal uh, marijuana and begin to make a difference in your life, you know, because everything else is only going to mask the bullshit that is going on. And it's only going to progress into something much worse later on down the road. Yeah. I'm actually looking to hopefully sound like doom and gloom, but Holy shit, man. Like the the chatter was relentless and it was frightening, you know? And and that is the only thing that I can really, that I can tie it to basically is the pharmaceuticals and the treatment protocols. Yeah. yeah, Dan, were you, were you saying that you were considering moving or? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm considering moving for, uh, for several reasons. And, and one being that is access to a medication that actually works and not having to wait on the government to decide, you know, when that's okay for me and, you know, for all states or whatever. But um, because I've been very proactive in my care and so I'm willing to move locations. But also the second thing is, um, also something doctors were, would write off is that a lot of my migraines or seizure activity is triggered with weather. And this is that sort of like, um, yeah, they, they don't really understand it. And I guess my theory on it is here. You know, if you think about the massive overpressure that I was exposed to with that back blast from that RPG that I was standing directly behind, um, you're, I'm just, that's my main example. It's like this huge amount of pressure in, in my brain and everything. And like I said, it's not just the brain. It's, it's having an actual effect on your blood vessels and your lungs and the pressure differentiations and, you know, your alveoli where, you know, the exchange of oxygen happens in, in your blood. And so when there's barometric pressure changes, which happen when, you know, like storm systems are rolling through or whatever, that's usually when I'll notice. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll feel like migraine symptoms coming on and I'll be able to check the weather and see that like, you know, an hour or two hours, there's a storm system moving in. Uh, and my wife says that I'm like basically like a weatherman now. But in my theory is that when there starts to be this big shift in the barometric pressure, it's triggering something in my blood vessels that cause this, um, you know, whether it's a oxygen, oxygen, oxygen deprivation or something cascade to occur. It's then triggering this, you know, seizure migraine type thing where we're talking about these, you know, oxygen exchange at the neuron level. Um, and with the scar tissue and everything else being there, it's, it's where it's this very sensitive environment. And that's why it's so sensitive to pressure change. So for the access to medication and looking to get away from an area that like has frequent, you know, storms that come out of nowhere and it can go away and come back several days. 
or, you know, come back twice in a day. I don't like going through <laughs> several migraines in a day, you know, even, even if I do have medication to help it. So I'm, I'm actually looking to move for environment reasons to try and maybe find a place that's more, uh, conducive to, you know, less, less migraines. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's that, sort of, that's really interesting. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, as you were saying that, um, do you ever experience altitude sickness or no? Um, I've, I've been up to Colorado recently and went skiing and I can't say that I noticed uh, a difference when there was an altitude change. Okay. Um, I have been in the pool recently and sort of diving, uh, you know, free diving down to a depth where I was just at the lake the other weekend and uh, I was kind of diving down, you know, to 12, 20 feet or so. That seemed to trigger um, some some migraine type type activity. So I don't know that like changes in elevation pressure as it being, like I said, it's kind of a steady thing. I think it's sort of uh, drastic or quicker changes in pressure, like you would see in barometric where it's cha- changing rapidly when there's a storm coming in, you know, or... Um, but if you think about driving up to altitude, it's sort of this like gradual thing you're doing o- o- over time. Um, maybe that's why. I mean, th- this is all me just kind of, you know, theorizing and thinking of what's happened physically and where I've been at, you know. No, it's so interesting stuff, man. Um, but, yeah, you know, like I was saying before, I think um, – I think what was covered on this podcast is incredibly important. And, um, you know, I, I think this is something I'm going to really try and encourage people to share and, and kind of get the word out. Uh, I mean, as I always do with the podcast, but even more so something like this, because, you know, I, I said it earlier in the podcast, you never really know who you're, you're helping just from listening, you know, just from that person listening to what you have to say. And I've had uh, people on before talking about brain injuries. And and after those episodes went up, I've had, you know, combat veterans sending me messages like, thank you for, for putting that out because, it, you know, you don't know how much it helped me to hear someone be so honest about what they went through because it's exactly what they're going through, right? So, yep. um, you know, I, I like I said, you know, I do this. It's I find it interesting uh, to, to hear from guys like, like you guys and, and uh to kind of dive into the the human psych a little bit, but you know, to me, this is probably the most important episode that I've recorded. And, um, you know, I just want to thank you guys for, for taking out the time to do this. Um, Kevin, I know you're still like in, in transit, right? Or. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, where am I now? I'm in Colorado actually. So, um, yeah, so we're on our way back to Cali, so I should be back in a week or so. I think we're either going to push up north through um, Yellowstone and Glacier or just go across the Rockies and, and speed it up a little bit. Not sure yet. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, you know, like I said, man, I just appreciate you guys doing this. Um, Kevin really kind of hit it when he was talking about his experiences, and, and, I, and then obviously Dan as well, but... I feel like Dan added that kind of uh, a bit of a science to it, which really makes it interesting. And, um, you know, hopefully someone in a position to 
you know, with some influence in the government or or whatever, can hear this and be like, you know what, this is this is good right here, and and uh, let's try and kick it up the chain, um, you know. But that's just how I feel anyway. So, um, so both you guys, um, Dan is a host of a podcast called The Danger Zone. Uh, Dan, you're yeah. on uh, pot, you're on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, and YouTube for that, right? Right. So, uh, best thing for people to do if they want to, you know, kind of follow what's going on with me is on Instagram and Facebook. I'm at Daniel the Barbarian, and then that's also the title of my YouTube channel is Daniel the Barbarian. That's where I put the videos of my podcast. And then my podcast is called The Danger Zone. It's available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and then also. Uh, if you want to check out what I'm into, I'm collabing with We the Willing Collective, and you can find them out at, at uh, wtwcollective.com or We the Willing Collective on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. So, and Kevin, where can people check out your Warrior Woven and, and keep up with you on social media or website or whatever? Right on. So, yeah, social media, Instagram and Facebook, uh, both under Warrior Woven. Um, you can email me direct for any specific questions at, um, Kevin at warriorwoven.com. Um, and I'm, especially now I'm on the road. So I'm, I'm kind of, uh, what we're doing is hitting local yarn shops, spreading the word, um, and kind of extending our supply chain, if you will, to where, you know, I'm meeting both veteran, uh, fiber artists who are spinning wool to veteran farmers that are raising alpaca herds and, and flocks of, is it flocks or herds of sheep? I don't even know, man. I'm new to the game. So, um, but I'm learning as I go, you know, and meeting some incredible people across the way, uh, stopping at local yarn shops, picking up, uh, you know, locally hand spun fibers, knitting meanies as I go. Um, again, just kind of for me, it's, um, you know, it's, it's not like a shark take thing or anything like that. You know, every hat that anyone ever purchases will be hand created by myself or another veteran. Um, and it's 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 a product unlike anything else on the market to where it comes with the intrinsic intrinsic value of the life I live. You know, I can go back through any of the hats that I've created. There's 1,350 stitches in each one, and I can tell you exactly where I was uh, with every stitch. You know, and again, it's it's that much more remarkable when you take into consideration um, some of the challenges that I've had over the last couple of years. Um, and, and I'm one of those guys to where I'm, I'm, I am a shit talker, but at the same time, I'm, I'm pretty humble. And I believe that, you know, if it works for someone like me, it's going to work for a lot more people. Um, so outreach is one of our big priorities right now. We had great success with, um, again, kind of playing on the previous life. I hosted a, a Kilo Tango Charlie, which is a knitters training course, um, training, uh, the guys that came in how to create mini and then uh, giving them an opportunity to become a member of our production team. But in order to do it right, uh, what I'm also doing is not just paying a piece rate of the hats that are created by them, uh, but I'm making them members of our LLC, equitable members of the LLC. Um, again, I'm practicing what I preach where, you know, I'm only going to be as successful as the people I surround myself with. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing the experience. And hopefully in the near future, the success with as many people as I possibly can. Um, but it's it's we have our next KTC coming up, um, finalizing the dates right now. We're looking anywhere from mid-August to mid-September. Um, but it's a pretty incredible experience to where 
um, to demonstrate that, hey, I, it's just not necessarily about knitting, but it's about the improved quality of life that I've experienced, both me and my family. We bring them out to the ranch, um, train them how to make a meanie have some hard stops and we do some of the shit I like to do. We get on the trigger, um, do some, some practical applications with both the pistols and the carbines. Uh, we grill up some good chow, drink some good beer, um, benefit from the cannabis culture in Colorado and just kind of kick back and collaborate and, uh, daydream together. And, and, uh, really, it, like I said, it was incredible. We had, uh, you know, Brian Myers at the bearded Brian, uh, who participated and, and dude, it was it was a game changer for everyone that was there. You know, it was, um, it was incredible. Um, so I'm looking forward to the next one and, and the future ones after that, but sorry. Uh, anyways, Instagram's great. Facebook's, uh, good. Um, you know, and, and again, uh, our website is www.warriorwoven.com. Uh, pretty simple. And what I create are called meanies. So it's uh, my snub to the hipster culture that made beards look cool. I think that be combat issued, you know, so, um, fuck your beanies. It's a meanie. (laughs) (laughs) And just a question, Kev, are you guys planning on expanding into other stuff or like, were you knitting or just, you just, you know, it's, it's one of those things again, through open collaboration and whatever the talents that are brought to the table through the people that become uh, members of the team is, is what's going to dictate the direction we go. Um, and and I'm one of those guys to where, you know, we're, we're expanding our craft. We're learning different techniques through the knitting. Um, and kind of, again, looking at, you know, I don't need the entire world as my market. I just, I, I need like-minded individuals. Um, so it's more about extending my family and community than it is, uh, making money. You know, it's more of a mission than anything. So I'm looking at, you know, heavyweight booty socks for the guys going through selections, um, looking at different mittens that we're going to be bringing to the table soon. Um, you know, the meanies we're going to have soon endorsed by, uh, an NFL football player. Uh, my cousin is uh, JC Treader, who is, will be the starting center for the Cleveland Browns. Awesome. Um, so again, it, it, we're really going to start making some headway and, uh, and seeing some positive movement, but you know, dude, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it's, um, we're, we're in the black, we're cash positive and it's freaking almost August. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm selling knitted hats in the middle of the summer. Like people are, are stepping up and, and they're truly supporting, um, not just me, but, but the veterans of our community. And, uh, and again, it's not us looking for handouts or asking for pity. It's us looking for opportunity, um, to heal and grow through a creative process found through knitting. Um, so I think it's pretty incredible and remarkable and, and, um, just, you know, it's, again, I think it's going to be, uh, I'm, I'm going to just run with it. There is no other plan than to share it with as many, uh, vets as I possibly can. It all sounds awesome, man. And, And, uh, you know, I wish, I wish you the best and, uh, you know, like I told you, I think I've spoken on social media, you know, anything that you need uh, i can help with you know in terms of a platform or putting things out uh just let me know man and um once again you know thank you guys for doing this um you know i truly believe that this is one of the most important podcast episodes that i've recorded and um you know and thank both you guys for your service and uh, everything you've done thank you thanks kevin and uh thanks for having me on dude uh 
this was definitely a good time getting to talk about this with uh, somebody else who's going through it. Incredible episode discussing what I feel like is the most important topic that we've discussed and covered on this podcast. Be sure to check out Dan on his podcast, The Danger Zone. I check him out on social media. He listed his handles for everything. Uh, be sure to check out Warrior Woven. Uh, Kevin's company, they knit, and everything is hand-knitted by uh, combat veterans. You know, get your orders in. It's it's really good stuff. Uh, share this episode far and wide because, like I said, it's it's incredibly important. And not only are we talking about the problems, we're also offering solutions to these problems. Uh, it was incredibly humbling for me to be on and, and be a part of it. So with that, we're going to close out the episode. My website is globalrecon.net. Uh, my Instagram account is igrecon. The second account is Black Ops Matter, an account that I co-manage with the co-host of this podcast, Chantel Taylor, is mission underscore critical. I'm on Twitter at igrecon. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, leave us a review. Uh, leave us a rating. And that way we can continue to remain at the top of the government and national categories. And each week we will be providing you guys with good high quality content. And um, we have some good guests lined up for you for the next couple of weeks. So we'll see you guys in a couple of days. Peace. Peace.